Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Well, what a show we have for you today. Uh, this was one of my favorite episodes I think I've done of all of our episodes. I, I personally learned a lot in this uh, and also really appreciate the uh, angle and the way uh, our guest goes about and what they're doing. We had Andrew Flackner. He's the co-founder of Real Scout. You know, he's worked as a realtor in the past. He's an advisor. Uh, he's that guy that does some really cool interviews with the really top, top executive who's who's in the real estate, real estate tech industry. Uh, we're talking through about uh, lead cultivation and conversion. And you're going to want to listen all the way through this episode because at the end, Andrew releases uh, some information. That's all I can say. Some information about a secret project they've been working on. And I think it's going to be really cool. So check it out. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I greatly appreciate you taking aside time and uh, joining us. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. As always, uh, I'd like to get started with the basics. I allow you to go ahead, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Andrew Flackner. I founded a company called Real Scout about six and a half years ago. And what we do is we make software that helps real estate agents collaborate with their clients around the home search. So if you're tired of your clients searching on national portals once they connect with you and you'd rather have them in your safe haven for collaboration, if you will, then you can invite them to Real Scout, send them our uh, property alerts, which use natural language, and then you can introduce them to your agent-branded, broker-branded search platform. And it does a much better job converting leads uh, and really keeping you at the center of the home search. You answered like seven questions I had already in that. That's okay. I can go deep into any one of those categories. That was so good. No, because I mean, the first question I was going to ask you is, so right on the website, you hit people with real estate's choice for collaborative home search. So I just, maybe you can unpack that. What does that mean and why is that important? Yeah, so to be clear, I think that most real estate businesses operate in a funnel and that's probably not news to any of your viewers. Um, the top of the funnel is really where a home buyer, sorry, an unaffiliated home buyer will connect with an agent. And there are great platforms for that. Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com. Those platforms aren't really designed to con connect a consumer with a home, but rather connect a consumer with a real estate agent. That's how they make money. That's their business. Once that connection is made, then you get into the middle of the funnel. And we've kind of coined these terms, top of funnel, T-O-F-U, tofu, or the middle of the, the funnel, mofu, or the bottom of the funnel, bofu. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to the middle of the funnel, that's where the agent earns their commission. It's where they take a $20 internet lead and convert it into a $10,000 commission check, but there's not a lot of tools or technology or data available to real estate professionals to help them increase the conversion in that part of the funnel. And that's what we do well. So at the very surface level, you may think, wait a second, Real Scout offers home search, but you know, so does this CRM and so does this IDX website and so does this portal. Well, sure, but we fit into the middle of the funnel, which is probably the least sexy part of the funnel, because right, most agents are excited about lead gen. But we think that if you can double the conversion rate from your online advertising in the middle of the funnel, you're going to be better off than you know, increasing the top of funnel results. It makes so much so much sense. I mean, if you, there's only so many leads available in certain markets to begin with, and so you have to make the most and, and the best of those leads. 
And so higher conversion rate is just another lever to pull to, to be able to do better and make more, close more deals, etc. I'm curious though, a little bit of maybe the backstory and, and the journey. Why, why did you start this? Did you just say like, oh man, you know, there's poor realtors. They just don't close enough deals. Or did, did something spark this idea that drove you down this path? Sure. So it's, uh, it's interesting. And obviously I've been asked that question many times, but I'll, I'll try to give you some, some information that maybe I haven't shared uh, before. So um, the part of the story that probably has been repeated is I got my start selling real estate at a young age. So when I was 17 years old, I started studying for the license exam. As soon as I turned 18, I began selling homes in a suburb of Los Angeles. And I fell in love with the business uh, as, as cheesy or cliche as it may sound. I think it's you know, really important to help people with such a, a large life transition, um, fulfill their dreams of home ownership. All that stuff is very real. And it's, it's a really powerful and exciting thing to be a part of that process. Um, I, I started selling real estate and I realized very quickly that the tools and data available to real estate professionals has become kind of antiquated. It was never really invested in. And if you look at the right. landscape in Silicon Valley, you notice that most companies have two things in common. First is they're trying to replace the agent or even disintermediate the broker using technology. Um, and I think in Silicon Valley, we get caught up in this idea of disintermediation or disruption. Um, that's probably um, not as important as amplifying the value that brokers and agents bring to the transaction. Uh, so we noticed early on that there was a much bigger opportunity in doing that. Um, so we started writing software. At the time, we were thinking, you know, hey, we were very early on in our exploration. We're wondering, hey, can we use this technology to build a better brokerage? And when we started talking to real estate agents uh, in, in, in kind of considering whether or not to bring them on to co-found this company with us, we learned that they didn't want to be a part of our brokerage. Their brokerage that they were already a part of is, is a much better brokerage than we could become. But the technology we had was of value to them. And so mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. There's a, a woman here in Silicon Valley. Her name is Adriana Plute. Um, and she's a top producing agent. And she said, you know what? I love the software. Um, I will write you a check right now to use it uh, for my business. And um, she said, how much do you charge? And without skipping a beat, I said $500. And I didn't even know if that was $500 a year or a month or what exactly we were trying to charge for. Um, and she took out a check and she wrote us a check for $500. And that ended up being a lifetime subscription. So she's the only one who has one of those. Um, but it was, uh, it was a great learning opportunity that sometimes you have to go where the market um, takes you. And for, for us, you know, we, we power real estate businesses for nearly 70,000 agents across wow. the country. Um, wow. It all started with that meeting with Adriana. I mean, okay, there's a lot to unpack there. First, it pays to be first. It pays to invest in those around you. It pays to solve a problem that there's a pain point. Clearly, someone didn't even blink an eye, wrote you the check. But also, I, I think one thing that you, you kind of uncovered there, you know, you, you started a brokerage, you started recruiting for that, and then you realized it was the software. And that's kind of like the, the whole hedgehog concept, right? Knowing what your your you know, you were really, you figured out that one problem, get good at that one problem because you knew you, you wouldn't be as good a brokerage as what some of these agents were looking at, but you could really solve that problem, helping them convert more leads. Right. And I think that it's common for startups to fail because they try to do too much, right? Mm -hmm. Or businesses to fail because they try to do too much or, um, you know, when it comes down to it, building a successful brokerage is nearly impossible. There are tons of brokerages that never, never make it. 
Um, and the same is true for tech companies. There are count, there's a huge you know, uh, graveyard of, of, um, of startups that aren't able to succeed. To try to do both of those things successful, to, to build a great tech company and build a great brokerage, it's really hard. I won't name names, but if you think of the big brokerages or the big tech companies or the big quote unquote tech power brokerages, they usually do either technology or brokerage very well. I don't mm -hmm. think we've seen yet a company that does both of those things well. Yeah. Now, I, I think actually quite a few people have written about that. Like, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let it be nameless, but, you know, a few of those brokerages and, and going through their dev count of are they really a tech company? I mean, if you've got 10 developers, I hate to break it to you. I mean, you're not a dev count if you've got a thousand agents or, or, or a tech company if you've got a thousand agents, you know. So, but that's, I, I understand that and I, I, and I appreciate that view. Um, I'm curious. So, so, I mean, obviously, so 70,000 people or businesses, excuse me, 70,000 businesses are, are using Real Scout. But in real estate, there is a slew of options out there. There is a hundred different ways to go about building your business, getting leads, converting them. You can have auto dialers and everything else. Why are people picking Real Scout? Well, I think it comes back to that funnel analysis. I mean, uh, consumers may search online for three to five weeks before they connect with an agent. But then for the next 12 weeks, they're going to be searching for a home while they're working with an agent. Mm. And if you have an honest conversation with yourself, you as an agent, and, and think about where those consumers are searching during that process, it's probably not with you. It's probably not on your IDX widget that you put an iframe on your website. It's probably not your MLS you know, technology. Maybe people click on your property alerts, but they're not religiously searching day in and day out on the MLS software. So, right. you know, again, I, I don't think there's a lot of companies in the real estate tech space that occupy the part of the funnel that we do. There's a lot of companies that claim to do it all, right? And, and maybe yeah. in some ways we compete with those companies. There are companies that offer a quote, end-to-end -end solution, which usually right. means they do nothing well. Um, you know, again, it's hard to do, you know, because let's face it. I mean, there are companies like Zillow that until recently, all they did was lead gen. That's 10 years of operating history, hundreds of millions of dollars invested, thousands of employees, and all they did was lead gen. But you're telling me that your 50 person company can do lead gen and create the industry's best CRM and the best document storage and transaction management and collaborative home search. It just, it doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> if, if, if it's important to have you know, one login, well, then, you know, sign up with Moxie or something like that, which integrates with companies like Real Scout, mm -hmm. and they have best, best of breed products in every category. But to have it all manu manufactured or engineered by one company, you know, I don't really understand that strategy. I think um, it's mm -hmm. no longer necessary with single sign-on and the way these companies are playing nicely with each other. Yeah, I, I think what you're talking there is, you know, having making sure that the tech talks and works with other tech and just being the best at that one bit. Um, and that, that makes a lot of sense. I also, the advertiser in me kind of drools and thinking about, man, the, the audience segments that Zillow must have have got to be amazing. <laughs> for sure. What they'd be able to slice and dice from over all, all these years. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. And that, that may be a nice segue into, you know, the buyer data component of what we do. Um, but I, I would say that, um, you know, the distinction between the audience that we've built at Real Scout and the, one, and, and the ones that other portals have, have developed, obviously their audiences are much larger, but they're also much more polluted by mm -hmm. shallow intent home buyers, right? There's 175 million unique visitors on the portals every single month, and yet there's only five to six million home sales every year in the U.S., 
Mm. Right? That means that there's a lot of look, looky-loos. There's a lot of tire kickers, a lot of people who are searching for their friend's address on Google and stumble across a, you know, Redfin link. Um, you know, these are, you know, but the buyers that are on Real Scout are invited by real estate professionals. These are consumers that have already, they raise their hand, they say, I'm ready to make a buying decision. They're advanced in their home search. And, and to us, the quality of that data is very important. So that's why, you know, we don't allow anyone to just search on Real Scout by going to our website. You have to be invited by an agent. Oh, that's brilliant. So, I mean, then you're getting, you know, you're getting people who are further along, they're ready, they may be pre-qualified or at least talk to a lender and they're, they're in that stage where they've actually said, yeah, we're going to buy rather than we're thinking about maybe possibly next year if we get this raise and promotion looking sure. at, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and listen, it's not even that. I mean, uh, the consumers that are searching on the major search portals, they're there for a whole slew of reasons. It may not be that they're you know, dipping their toe in the water and want to buy in the next six to 18 months. It may be that they yeah. want inspiration for, you know, a home decorating project. It may be that they uh, just, you know, like real estate or want to see what their neighbor's house sold for. And that's great. Uh, and, it's yeah. great. and it allows those companies to sell more ads. Everyone wins. But when it comes to um, developing or harvesting a network of home buyer demand, that's where it's important that you have a strong gatekeeper to that experience. And for us, the gatekeeper is the, the real estate agent. That's a, that's a really well thought through strategy. Um, I, I can tell that you guys put a lot of thought in that because that's the kind of, that's the high level thinking that makes an ad campaign ever perform. Um, so, so of all those businesses that are using Real Scout, you know, in helping convert those leads, are you guys pursuing after uh, independent agents or are you doing larger scale deals with brokerages and teams? Yeah, so those 70,000 agents are sometimes belonging to teams, sometimes they belong to, or they always belong to brokerages. Um, and, and so our distribution strategy has been, you know, namely to go after the brokerages, partner with them, and then, and then those brokerages will put the bill so that all their agents have access to the, the greatest uh, home search experience for their clients. And so, you know, when we announced new customers, like recently we announced Howard Hanna with 10,000 agents, or Long and Foster with 10,000 agents, or... Fox and Roach and Douglas Elliman, these are, these are brokerages that saw the value and wanted to drive that, that value to their agents. Whereas a lot, of, a lot of brokerages these days are trying to cut back on what they offer their agents so that they can um, get better splits or they can protect their margins. Other pioneering brokerages realize that they need to invest in their agents to have a business. And when you see these venture capital backed brokerages coming <laughs> into the market, they're not skimping. Right? They have no, they're not pulling back. They have their own engineering teams. Yeah. Um, so I think those companies that I just mentioned, as well as, you know, 150 more that are partnered with RealScout or even companies that haven't partnered with RealScout but invest in their own ways. Um, I think those are the leaders in the industry that are really um, taking the commitment that they have with their agents seriously. It, it makes so much sense. And it gets, just goes right back to what you were saying earlier and knowing what you do best. And these brokerages, if they don't have a dev team, they don't know how to build tech products. That's why they should call RealScout because you guys are going to help them take, you know, the that element of their business to the next level and providing that value to their, their, their agents rather than, you know, wasting time and resources and trying to reinvent the wheel. That's right. And, and I think there's this, this, this debate in the industry between, you know, should brokerages be catering to their agents or to the consumer? And mm. I think with a platform like Real Scout, and again, there are other platforms out there, um, uh, but there are, there are platforms that deliver a really killer consumer experience and that is the best way to serve your agents is to really deliver your brand consistently to the consumer. Solid. 
I, I love the user-centric piece. I want to shift it a little bit here. So obviously you guys are doing some, some bigger biz dev, but I mean, to, to reach scale, I mean, you've got to reach a lot of people. You got to get in front of a lot of people. I'm curious, what have you guys been doing in terms of marketing to, so that people hear about Real Scout? And, and from what I understand is you guys have a little bit of an unconventional approach when it comes to marketing and maybe you could share a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, we are an early stage company. We have raised venture capital, but we haven't raised hundreds of millions or billions uh, like some of our peers in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of how much capital we've raised, we've always had a very conservative approach to how we invest in marketing. Um, you know, we, we have found that there are startups in real estate, but also just in the general tech space that confuse revenue growth with product market fit. And what that means is you can take your capital and you can buy customers and you can even make a quintessential hockey stick growth chart um, to to pat yourself on the back with. Um, But the reality is that if people aren't retaining, if people aren't addicted to your product, then you're not going to have a business if you have a leaky Mm. bucket, right? It comes back to that uh, tofu, mofu, bofu example. If, If everyone's falling out of the middle and the bottom of your funnel, then it doesn't matter how, you know, busy the top of your funnel is. So it's a long way of saying we decided to invest primarily in product. And by the way, you know, um, this is actually very similar to what Zillow did in the early days. They actually had very little money to spend on advertising, so they invested deeply in product. And even their CMO, Amy Bohatinsky, was involved in product. Um, mm. It just goes to show you that you know, some of the best marketing you can do is by developing a killer product that people love and talk about and share. So um, first and foremost, we invest in our product. Um, yes, yeah, so we have had some very creative and unusual uh, marketing practices. Um, we like to get a little scrappy. We like to have some fun. We like to shake things up. Um, uh, back several years ago, closer to the founding of the company, we realized that uh, real estate agents are baking cookies at their open houses. And so we thought, hey, why not take uh, an idea like that and, and scale it for fun for the weekend? And what we did was we advertised, well, actually Inman News wrote a story about how we were going to deliver freshly baked chocolate chip cookies to agents throughout the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And it was a great, fun culture activity for the company. All our employees, they brought their kids. We drove around eating and delivering <laughs> incredible cookies. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's something to be learned there, especially for your audience, because whether you are a team or an agent or even a brokerage, chances are you don't have limitless amounts of capital to deploy requiring customers. And maybe your customer is the agent, maybe it's the home buyer or the home seller. Um, But there are creative ways to um, think outside the box and get attention. I mean, that cookie campaign was so successful that Inman News even wanted to cover a retro or a debrief of that activity. So we created an infographic saying, okay, we spent three or $400 on cookies and this much in mileage reimbursement for our employees. And this is how much business we got from it. Did you guys uh, factor out how many cookies per lead you generated? <laughs> well, or uh, how many leads per cookie? <laughs> you know, it, what's funny is, and maybe one of the learnings from that experiment uh, was that people would call us the next weekend saying they wanted more cookies. And, and, and we actually trained our, our customers or prospective customers to think that we are a cookie delivery service. So that was probably <laughs> the downside. That, 
that's the next hustle right there. If you need a side hustle, set up, you do open house cookie delivery on the weekends. Boom. Yeah, you know, take that idea. You won't even owe us royalties. Any one of your viewers can go uh, and do that. <laughs> it's Uber for, uh, for open house uh, materials and resources. I absolutely love that. That is so good. That it's, it, I think that speaks to a little bit probably the ethos behind your company and like how you guys operate and really think through uh, solving problems. It, you know, really going through the steps and thinking well, we what we to have to do to get to their side. I think what it underscores is how we listen to our customers, maybe mm. in that example, a little too literally, um, but we pay attention to our customers, their activities, their behavior, yeah. and what they do. And so, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, our, our most recent marketing endeavor, uh, which is, is near and dear to my heart, are these interviews that we're doing with different industry luminaries. And, and they're fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we really are. It's almost a hobby. I mean, the reason why we got into it is because our customers would speculate and they'd say, you know what, I wonder what Zillow has planned with this whole instant offer business. Or I wonder <laughs> what Redfin is doing. They just entered my market and I'm a little nervous. And I thought to myself, well, listen, we are here to represent you and your, and your best interests. Um, why don't we take those questions that you're asking, um, grant you anonymity if you want it, although oftentimes they don't, and right. relay those questions to the playmakers in our industry, whether it's the CEO of Redfin or the COO of Zillow or the CEO of Remax or CEO and founder of Open Door. I sit down with these people live on camera and we relay questions from the industry. And in doing that successfully, um, we've been able to better serve our customers. We've been able to shed light on some of these questions that are frankly quite difficult to ask and sometimes uh, can be very revealing. So hmm. we do that. Um, it's, it's another way that we spend a very little amount of money uh, in getting the word out about uh, Real Scout. But I think there's something more important that um, that is the underpinning of these interviews, which is we are here to represent the industry and we're here to get answers for them. That's that, that, that's a really interesting approach, and I love it. You're you're taking on what uh, ClickFunnels Russell Brunson would say is like the interviewer, you know, kind of uh, media persona, and being able to report back or being the reporter. At the same time, you're a direct product company solving. A, you know, uh, uh, you're you're creating solutions for those very same people you're reporting back to. Right, um, and, and, and genuinely, I. I I, I try to do my best, and, and maybe I could do a better job at this, but I try to do my best at not taking too much of the spotlight. Um, you know, this is really about our customers. It's about the industry, and it's about the person who I'm interviewing. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, when I do these interviews, I don't think I even mention the word Real Scout. Um, uh, and so, you know, this is not about right. product pitch. This isn't about, you know, the Andrew Flackner show. This is really about uh, the person I'm interviewing. And I think you know, of course, uh, an externality or a consequence of doing that well would be that people wonder, wait, who's this Andrew guy? And why is he sitting down with, you know, the CEOs of these companies? And of course, that benefits our company. I wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. you know, I wouldn't use the company's resources if it had no benefit to Real Scout. Um, but I think that going in, you know, with that perspective is important because it will show if you're, if you're really just doing this for vanity. No, I think that's, that's great. And it's obviously working because people know and what we're talking about, likely listening to this. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. So I, I know you're, you've been tried as a, uh, uh, a startup founder. You've tried some things here and there, certainly along the way that are outside the scope of considered normal or orthodox. Tell me about something that you guys, uh, 
have given a shot to that maybe didn't work out and you had either had to say, you know, we're not doing that again, or maybe uh, a little bit of a pivot along the way. Sure. So hmm, probably a few examples of that. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the, the things that we considered early on was allowing unaffiliated home buyers to search on realscout.com. And we, we tried that because first of all, it was the popular idea at the time. A lot of successful companies were offering a public facing home search. Um, and there's a few problems with pursuing that strategy. First, we already covered earlier is that we got a lot of looky-loos and tire kickers through the door, and that really dilutes the quality of our network and our data. Um, but I think, you know, it didn't really resonate well with our customers either um, because they felt good about the fact that they had this exclusive and really um, incredible product that they could offer their clients that their clients couldn't access otherwise. And in, in doing, in, in, in allowing them to have this great software, we actually, you know, helped our customers really shine for their, for their customers. Mm. Um, and so that was an example of a time where we tried something and we learned very quickly that it wasn't the best approach and we, uh, we reverted. Yeah. That's good that you, you learn that quickly to, if you, if you got to change directions, pivot and pivot hard. Um, yeah. So, I want to, and, and I appreciate you opening up about that, by the way. Um, I want to talk about something that I know some people shy away from talking about this and, and you kind of brought it up earlier. You'd mentioned some funding. Um, I want to ask you about that. You know, how do you balance um, the, the challenge of, obviously you have some investors that you have to keep their investment in mind. Mm -hmm. You guys have raised some funds, um, but also you're working towards, you know, you want to deliver to your customers and, and give to them. Do you ever feel that there's a, a push and pull on that? And do you ever feel like sometimes you reach points where you're not sure what to do of who to please, or you, you maybe at a crossroads there? So the best way to avoid that is to choose your investors carefully. Hmm. And um, uh, I think sometimes entrepreneurs, when they see the, the dollar signs light up in, in, in their eyes, um, they're, they, they make the mistake of taking the first capital they see. And that can be a big mistake. And this is something that a first-time entrepreneur may, um, may miss. But you want to interview your investors. Of course, you are pitching. It's, it's almost like, you know, it, it's not quite like Shark Tank, right? Where you are there, you know, pitching your heart and soul. And most of the time, the contestants on that show will take money from any offer they get. But every now and then, you'll see a contestant who will say, you know what? I don't know if you're the right partner for me or I don't like these terms. Right. Um, more important than the terms, I would argue, um, is who you're partnering with. Are these investors mm. long-term thinkers? Are they thinking about your business the same way you are? Um, a, a, a very common piece of advice that I give not only to entrepreneurs, but even our customers is when you're doing reference checks, don't ask for reference checks, go seek them out yourself and mm. talk, talk to the, the, entrepreneurs or in the case of a broker, maybe talk to, you know, um, you know, other, other, other customers out there who didn't have a good experience and what, and what was that like? Um, or in the case of investing, you know, what are some portfolio companies that actually failed or had a rough time? How did the investor handle that? Did they come to the rescue of the entrepreneur? Did they, um, did they, you know, force a, a sale of the company, et cetera? Um, and we are very lucky because the investors that we chose are long-term thinkers. 
They are, uh, many, some of our investors are billion dollar plus funds. So the investment that they make into our company is not a make or break for their portfolio. Um, but ultimately, you know, we were not looking to build just another SaaS company, software as a service. We're, we weren't looking to, um, you know, just grow this company. Um, uh, we, we weren't looking to, you know, have a, you know, a, a very small exit or a very fast exit. We were actually looking to change an industry. And the, the, the real estate community is now starting to see more of our vision. Um, but it's not something that's trivial. It's not something that takes six to 12 months to play out. Um, so, so anyway, I, I know this is probably belaboring the point, but to, to distill it down, I would say that choosing the right investor, making sure that they are aligned with you and make sure that there's trust between the entrepreneur and the investor is absolutely paramount. Um, and in fact, I think it's far more important than trying to negotiate the best terms because startup success is fairly binary. It's going to be a big win or it's not. And whether or not, you know, you own, you know, 5% of the company or 10% or 50% of the company when it's all over, um, if you have a big win on your hands, it's going to be a significant outcome. Um, so choosing the right investor is more important. That's that, that was solid. Um, very timely for me to hear. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, I do really appreciate that. So then that kind of leads into the next thing, though, and, and you kind of alluded about this, you know, people are waking up about the real estate industry. We're seeing, so you know, a lot of funding. This past year, the amount of deals that went down, uh, and I haven't seen a, a, a great recap of how much went down in, in deals last year of venture capital funding. Um, and that's both residential and commercial and some offshoots there, you know, the all around the real estate tech industry. But why do you, why now? Why is the funding pouring in now? So in the last five years, the investments, mostly venture capital that have been going into real estate and real estate technology have increased by 700%. Yeah. And of, of that capital, I think 58% or 68% of that capital is being deployed into businesses that are competitive with traditional brokerages. And that should probably scare traditional brokerages. Um, 50% 50 of the last five years funding is businesses to compete with traditional brokerages. Right. And that could be a venture backed competitor like Compass. And there's no, uh, that's not a controversial statement. I mean, Compass is designed to compete and win market share from the incumbents. Or yeah. it could be a company that is a little bit harder to assess their threat to the industry, um, like some of these eye buying models. Uh, and so, yeah, the majority of the capital that's been raised is to compete with traditional brokerages. And traditional brokerages typically have a, a fight or flight, traditionally a flight. Uh, mentality, almost like an ostrich mentality where, you know, oh, that will never work because, because Redfin is a discount broker, because no one's going to want to sell their home with one click on open door if they're leaving money on the table, whatever it is, or no, no one's going to want to, um, you know, my culture is so strong that my agents will never accept a sign-on bonus from Compass. And as time progresses, as it elapses, people realize that these companies are threats, um, not necessarily the ones I just spoke about, but you'll find that these companies um, win market share and sometimes brokerages realize, realize it once it's too late. So, mm. um, so why is venture capital flowing into real estate? Well, it happens to be the largest segment of our economy. That's a pretty good reason. There's a trillion dollars of home sales every year in the US. 
There's, I don't know, 50 to $70 billion in real estate commissions and, and, and service fees. There's 12 to $13 billion flowing from agent and broker pockets into uh, advertising and marketing company. It's enormous. That's why. Um, why it's taken this long for investors to realize that this is a, an industry that's ripe for innovation, that I can't tell you. Um, but, uh, but certainly, if I were a broker today, I would be, um, I'd be trying to get on the offensive, right? And, and that's mm -hmm. the problem is that a lot of these companies are going on the defensive. They're saying, well, you know, if, if this brokerage is offering sign-on bonuses to all my agents, well, maybe we should start offering sign-on bonuses. And there, it's, it's almost like a me too strategy that's a little too little and too late. Um, mm. Because you know, Compass has raised, I think, 1.2, 1.3 billion dollars. Good luck competing with that. No sign-on bonus is going to beat that. <laughs> no sign-on bonus is going to beat that. But there are other things that can beat that, yeah. and uh, and we're trying to play a role in that. Yeah, very cool. Before we shift into my favorite segment of the show, uh, I would like to give a little chance. If if there's any one thing we haven't covered, that you feel that is most important for people to understand and know about Real Scout. Sure. Uh, what would you say that one thing is? So, uh, you know, we, we covered earlier how Real Scout has a search platform and that platform helps home buyers and real estate agents work together more collaboratively. That's really the first phase of our company. The second phase of our company is really revealing the behavioral, really re revealing the, the, the insights from that behavior, from those home buyers. Um, that is really the, the second chapter of our company that we are all ecstatic about, that our customers are, are thrilled about as well. And so we're, you're, you're starting to see headlines if you, wherever if you read real estate news, the real deal or Inman news, et cetera, uh, mm -hmm. or even you know, Rob Hahn and Red Dot, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. You'll find that um, you'll, you'll see headlines that talk about this concept of a buyer graph. Now, a buyer graph is really just a deep understanding of a buyer network. So you could think of like Facebook has a social graph. In real, in real estate, we actually have a buyer graph. And you already have a buyer graph. If you go to your weekly sales meeting and you say, hey, I have a listing. Anyone here have a buyer? You're actually tapping into your buyer graph. It's a very unsophisticated way to understand home buyer demand. And that's where RealScout comes in. So what we're doing is we're going into markets. Uh, we announced in New York City and then San Francisco. And we have many more announcements to come this year. And we are encouraging brokerages to come together and adopt Real Scout. And when they do that, um, like in New York City, almost every single major brokerage is on board, whether it's Douglas Elliman, Brown, Harris, Stevens, Halstead, Warburg, Stribling, Engel and Volkers, Bond, um, where we just had one signed this morning, which we'll be announcing in a few weeks. Um, these, these brokerages, with all the, all the buyers on one platform, you can start to reveal some very interesting insights about home buyers. So for instance, mm -hmm. Uh, when you're on a listing appointment and your seller says, you know what, my neighbor's house sold for 800000 six months ago. That must mean that my home is worth 800000 Well, now you have the data to show that in real time, the market has shifted. Even if, even if there's no comps in the past six months, you know that, that the demand for an $800,000 house has plummeted over the past 90 days. Or you know that in this neighborhood in, I don't know, uh, Austin, the demand for a four-bedroom home has dropped, but the good news is that the demand for a walk-in closet has increased. So maybe we should convert that fourth bedroom, that tiny fourth bedroom into a walk-in closet before putting it on the market. And if that sounds exciting, the grand finale here, what, what gets me excited is the ability for a listing agent to identify all of the buyer agents in their market that have a buyer for their listing. So let me put it this way. 
Um, I am in San Francisco. I have a listing. I work at, uh, let's say, Vanguard Properties. I have a listing. Okay. And I can identify that there's actually two buyer agents at Vanguard Properties that have a buyer for my listing. But there's another 30 buyers that are represented by companies like um, uh, Sotheby's or Intero uh, or Alon Pinnell that uh, I can match my listing with. So wow. when agents get a bad rap today, it's because traditionally they have unsophisticated approaches in how they think about data and marketing because they just don't have access to it. Right. Um, agents know that this is a, a good idea. They just don't, ha you know, that the sales meeting is, is the best quality of buyer data they have. And if yeah. you scale that across a market and you can create a 24 seven sales meeting that has the potential to span across different brokerages, it is transformative. And that is the vision that we're working towards. We still have a long way to go, but certainly in New York and San Francisco and all the other markets that I'm excited to share soon, uh, we're seeing this as, as a big, big moment in, in residential real estate. It's so counterintuitive. It's, it doesn't try to drive dividing lines. It is bringing cooperation to an industry that sometimes is seen as almost like cats fighting. Right. Um, I that, and I think, I think that's amazing. Right. There's, there's a very protectionist and um, conservative mindset in the industry um, when it comes to how brokerages um, compete with each other or how they collaborate with each other. And I think that um, brokerages are realizing now that they, they have market share. And if they're able to leverage their relationships with buyers in a very particular way, then they can drive more value to the consumer. This, at the end of the day, this is all about driving value to the consumer. When you walk into your listing appointment with an entirely new story and you're able to reveal insights that's what they expect you to do. You're making the big bucks because um, they want you to, to bring data to the table that they don't otherwise have access to. That's solid. We're gonna keep it rolling here. We're moving right into my favorite part we call For the Future. For the Future is a segment where we get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Andrew, you ready to play? Oh, I'm nervous, but yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, question number one. What does Real Scout look like one year from now? Oh yeah, well that one's a little bit easier because we're we're on a pretty solid trajectory. Um, I, I think that uh, a year from now, uh, Real Scout will have over a hundred thousand agents on our platform, and those agents will begin tapping into the power of our network. They're, they'll have the ability, uh, and they'll be using the ability to match their listings with high intent buyers that are on the real scout platform. And I say, just based on what you've shared with me and, and what your current growth trajectory, I, I believe that you'll probably beat it, especially if we move to a more buyer centric market. We like I, to I, under promise over deliver, but you're right. When the market uh, is shifting as we see it is, um, it becomes more important to um, have a more sophisticated approach in how you're marketing your listings. Yeah. Question number two, what will the housing market look like one year from now? Geez, I, I think it, it will have softened um, quite a bit. We're seeing a slowdown in many metropolitan areas uh, today. Um, I think there are going to be markets like hopefully San Francisco, where I just purchased a home not long ago. Um, but I, I think there's going to be some markets that are either landlocked or that um, are, are going to continue to be in high demand. But we're not going to see the meteoric rise that we've seen over the past five years. Uh, I think things are going to settle down quite a bit. And it's going to make uh, tools like ours hopefully indispensable. Yeah. Question number three, when will the next big boom or bust 
happen in real estate? Man, I, uh, you know, I got the wrong degree to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure many of our customers would have a better read on the market than I do. I, um, uh, <laughs> something just feels wrong about predicting the next bust, especially because I have a vested interest in, uh, you know, not a boom and bust, but hopefully, you know, at worst case scenario is a boom and lull uh, in the market. Mm. So we'll, we'll have to see. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you off the hook on that one. Uh, question number four. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? So, man, I can answer that question in a few ways. I, I think technology is going to shed a light on the quality of agents. And what I mean by that is we have, I think, 1.3 million Realtors. And Realtor uh, used to be the designation of the highest caliber real estate agents, ones who subscribe to the code of ethics and who pay their dues and have access to great data and technology. Um, I think that over the past 10 years, we've seen that brand sort of erode. And I believe in Bob Goldberg's ability to, um, to, to bolster the Realtor brand. But I think a part of that process involves uh, reducing the quantity of agents, uh, sorry, the, the quantity of realtors in that scenario. Um, and I think it's going to be better for consumers when um, they have a, a, a clearer picture of which agents are, uh, are, are great and which ones are not. And that comes in a few, a few different flavors. Of course, there's companies like Homelight or, uh, or Zillow or Yelp that are, are doing reviews, which was wildly controversial, but I think most of that controversy controversy is settled. Uh, so consumers can have a better picture of are their agents, you know, worth their commissions. Um, and then I also think there's going to be technology that just reveals the competence or lack thereof of their agents, right? So, you know, Real Scott's kind of a, a, a fun example of that where um, it's not designed to help all real estate agents, um, you know, be better. There's going to be, you know, we're going to make good real estate agents better, um, but we're going to make bad real estate agents probably, you know, reveal their flaws a bit more to their consumers. What I mean by that is if a consumer is searching on your, your portal on Real Scout and they request a showing and you ignore that, it's going to be very obvious that you dropped the ball. Um, so we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to deliver great service. But uh, if you are unreliable or if you don't bring uh, a lot to the table, that, that might also be uh, visible. Solid. We're going to wrap up here with the final three. These are actually more focused on you, Andrew, and then we'll close out. Um, first one of the last three here. I want to know, what are you reading these days? You know, <laughs> lately I've been, um, I've been actually trying to deepen my, my knowledge in the industry, and that might sound kind of boring. <laughs> uh, maybe you're expecting me to talk about my favorite novel. Um, but um, uh, as far as industry coverage goes, I've been trying to broaden my, uh, my scope there. Um, I actually think that Rob Hahn does an incredible job uh, as, a, as an analyst or pundit or whatever you want to call him. Um, sure. He brings uh, a caliber and a, a, you know, just raw intelligence to the table that I think um, is sometimes missing in our industry. Um, so I, I, I subscribe to Red Dot. Uh, it is expensive, but I do recommend it uh, if you're serious about understanding the, the industry from a brokerage or a tech uh, standpoint. Um, uh, you know what? I, I'll give you one that deviates a little from the real estate beat. Um, you know, when I was at the, uh, the T3 Summit in, um, where was it last? I can't even keep track anymore. Um, <laughs> I travel so much. But at the last T3 Summit, um, uh, there was Nicholas Thompson, who is the chief um, 
editor, the editor-in-chief of Wired magazine. And after hearing him give a keynote and talking about the most recent edition of the magazine, I was completely hooked. So I subscribed to the magazine um, and uh, it's still, huh. it's still nonfiction, but it's, uh, it's, 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 it's futuristic. It's, it's just eye-opening and, and, and really, I think helps fuel some creativity. That's cool. Question number two, who are you learning from? I'm learning all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's possibly the biggest reason why I started doing these interviews um, because I look up to people like Amy Botinsky or Glenn Common. And, um, you know, the way that uh, I learn from them is frankly through interviews. And sometimes I think while there are good questions asked of them on stage or by the press, there's oftentimes more questions that are unasked. So um, I, I've made a bigger effort to seek mentors and to learn from the people who have already uh, proven success uh, in ways that I want to achieve. It's not all real estate. It could be in life. It could be um, ways that I'm seeking balance or, or life advice or finance advice. Um, but it's always through mentorship. I'm, uh, the, my best ideas are not my own. Yeah. And in the last one here, uh, who inspires you or what keeps you inspired? Oh, man, that is a deep question. I need to think about that for a second. Um, I wanted to hit you with some that no one else hits you with. Yeah, so, geez, I, um, you know, I think I'm inspired by my younger sister. Um, uh, she is uh, more of the academic type. She um, I just graduated with, you know, a ridiculous GPA and is pursuing her dreams, uh, you know, and getting into dentistry or medicine uh, down at UC San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there's a certain type of discipline that she and some of my other, um, some of the other people I look up to uh, bring to the table that, you know, sometimes as a more uh, compulsive or distracted person, uh, I'm lacking. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my go-to answer. And I can think more uh, about that for the next time I'm a guest on your show. <laughs> if I'm yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely going to have you back. There's no way uh, around that. Um, I feel like we've got so much more uh, we could talk about. Um, there's, there's probably, I don't know, probably a handful of things that we could go down. But I, I know we're, we're stretching on time here. Um, I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, this has been, this has been great. I've actually learned quite a bit. Um, and I think what you're doing, I, I love the user centric focus on the experience to the customer as well as uh, to the realtors. Um, I think that's, uh, that is a unique value prop in, in comparison to a lot of other products that are out there that are one-sided. Um, before we head out, I want to give you the, the, the opportunity, if anyone wants to reach out to you or connect to you or learn more about what you're doing on Real Scout, how would they go about doing that? Instagram is the best way. It's just A Flackner, A-F-L-A-C-H-N-E-R. I'm sure it'll be in the, in the comments or uh, yeah. in the description. Um, I, I would say that um, we are going to be releasing a documentary style film um, and it's going to be out uh, either late January or early February. Um, you can, again, uh, stay, stay tuned with things like that from my Instagram, or you can go to secretresourcewar.com um, to watch the trailer and to learn more. And can you tell us a little bit about what that documentary is about? Can you, can you give any spoilers? Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll sum it up real quickly, and then, uh, then we've got to run here. But uh, <laughs> the brokerages and agents lost the battle for enlisting data uh, many years ago. And while... 
Uh, there are still some efforts in the industry to put that horse back in the barn. There's actually a much uh, more valiant effort, effort that can be fought to win the battle for buyer data. And we touched on a little bit of it today, um, yep. but this is going to be a much more polished, much more succinct and eloquent way to communicate this concept of buyer graphs and why um, it's the industry's best shot at amplifying the value that they bring to their transactions. So uh, that's all I can share for now, but definitely sign up to, to see the full video when it's released at secretresourcewar.com or follow me on Instagram. Secretresourcewar.com. There it is. We'll put the link in the show notes. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. We're definitely going to have you back on the show. Until then, we'll see you guys later. All right. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.